1: Thank you. Good morning, everybody. First day of the football season. Oh, yeah. It's that time of the year we always look forward to. If for no other reason than the NFL preview happens around 730 this morning, that always puts a big smile on our face. Good morning. I'm Bob Solter. Up until then, we're going to have a good discussion with a guest who has joined us before on our program. Always a timely discussion when Polly Franks joins us. Polly is an author of a book entitled Devil at My Door. We'll talk about that in the course of our discussion. We're also going to talk with her about being the director of It's Not Your Fault. Colleague, welcome back to our program. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning. In beginning this discussion, and, you know, this will seem strange to the two of us because we've talked many times uh, previously and had very good discussions on the air, but there are some people who are listening to our discussion today who've never heard our, dis- our previous chats. When I say to you, it's not your fault, the organization that you direct. How do you explain what it's all about?
0: Well, I named it It's Not Your Fault, basically because I kept telling survivors of childhood sexual abuse that it wasn't their fault. Um, I was so impressed in a negative way that so many people, so many adults, uh, middle-aged and older, had never told anyone that they had been um, sexually abused as children and we're blaming themselves it's it's one of the few crimes if not the only crime that I know of where the victim is so often blamed and um, so it's it in the aftermath of my own experience with a sexual predator uh, who came after my children I formed this foundation and uh, we we are founded in order to help victims of childhood sexual abuse. Um, and we we do a lot of work with hospital emergency rooms through our Operation Fuzzy program to help children who were brought into the emergency rooms. Um, I just conti- continuously was amazed at how many people walk around silently uh, basically being given life sentences for what has happened to them through no fault of their own.
1: When you think about the numbers of people who fall in that category, does anybody have an idea on or an estimate, I guess it would be even a guesstimate, as to how many people that might be?
0: It's at least 20% of the population, which is amazing. It's one out of six males and one out of four females by the time they reach the age of 18. Have had some sort of sexual abuse, um, and most people think it's it was just them, and it's not. It's it's so many, it's it's incredible. I was I was stunned when I first got into this um, type of work. Many people that I had known for decades were telling me that they had been victims of sexual abuse. They had never told anyone. They'd been walking around all these years carrying this weight that had been inflicted upon them. Also, um, I had complete strangers walk up to me and tell me. Um, It was just incredible. And they said, I've never told anybody.
1: And again, you know, you use the phrase child sexual abuse, and that that stops a lot of people in their tracks. You know, it's... Not a comfortable thing for most of us to say, uh, definitely not a comfortable thing for us to think about. Uh, it's another one of these cases of something that a lot of people would prefer just sort of be pushed away and sort of hidden in a corner. But that's really the wrong approach, isn't it? Oh, sure. I mean,
0: this is this the way people react to this issue reminds me a great deal of the way people reacted to the AIDS issue in the early 80s. Mm. They they don't want to look at it, don't want to acknowledge it, and it, it, a lot of people feel like if we ignore it, it just it doesn't exist.
1: But that's far from the truth. You, know, you mentioned your own experience with this, and you've talked about this before on our program, but again, there are people who are listening never heard the discussion before what was your experience
0: well we had a uh, a friend and neighbor of many years uh, who he was the husband of one of my best friends we found out turned out he had been a convicted serial rapist from texas from san antonio he had been this, this very nice polite congenial neighbor we had had been known as the ski mask rapist of san antonio texas um this was just prior to the passage of megan's law and so we had no way of knowing and i say this to people all the time you cannot tell by the looks of anyone because it this crosses all demographics this could be anyone as we've seen in the news from prior cases that have gone public um we found out the hard way. We found out after he attempted an assault on my 8- and 9-year-old daughters who were best friends with his daughter. And so that's, that's how the whole nightmare began. It really was like a bolt out of the blue. It had never occurred to us that someone who was so polite and so helpful and nice and seemingly a devoted dad and husband and friend could really be a monster.
1: How did you get the truth about him? I'm sorry. How did you get the truth about him?
0: It it took a long time. Um, it it took a very very long time. The uh, I was extremely frustrated because our DA decided to basically make a deal with this guy and give him a suspended sentence, which is uh, I'm sure as a lot of people know suspended sentences for hardcore criminals are nothing. Um it's not even a slap on the wrist. Um I was so enraged. The DA had told me at the, at that point that he was convicted of rape in another state years earlier, but that they couldn't couldn't or wouldn't use it against him in this case, which just added to the horror like, "Oh my gosh, we I've known this man for years, and he's a monster, and I had no idea. How could, how could I let him fly in under my radar? Um, I'd always considered myself to be a shrewd judge of character. Um, so it just became, it became a living nightmare. And at some point I realized that we were not going to get any, in our particular case, we were not getting any real help from law enforcement. They told us they were going to keep an eye on him. They did not. Our neighbors were seeing him in the middle of the night at our yard, despite a restraining order, which, of course, turned out to be not worth the paper it was written on. So I had to do something, or I was, frankly, just going to implode or explode. So I became a licensed private investigator and went after him myself.
1: Which is an incredible effort when you stop and think about it. What was he doing in your yard in the middle of the night?
0: I'm not clear, but the point is, he wasn't supposed to be there. <laughs> right.
1: Obviously. Obviously. You know,
0: um, the, the neighbor had you know had just been up in the middle of the night and, and had seen him there. Mm-hmm. I called the police, of course, the minute I heard about this, and their response was, well, we talked to him about it. He says he didn't do it. So that was the end of the discussion, which horrified me. I wanted to say, whose side are you people on? Um, It was just so frustrating, and I realized in our case, we were really on our own.
1: How much did you know about this area of the law before all this started with him?
0: Very little. I was basically a babe in the woods when it comes to this issue. I had known, of course, as an adult, that there were sexual predators out there. Um, I remember hearing at one point that, and this is true, 90% of children who are sexually abused know their abuser. It's not always the the weird, sweaty, creepy guy hanging out in the playground. Quite often it's grandpa or the coach or the pastor. Um, Could be anyone. And so... At the time, I had racked my brain trying to think if there was anybody in our world through church or the neighborhood or through work or any of our friends who were capable of anything like that. And I felt assured that no, nobody we knew was certainly capable of doing that. And so I was living in a, in a very naive never-never uh, land.
1: Mm. It's an amazing story we've really just scratched the surface and starting to talk with uh, Polly Franks on our program we'll get into talking about um, the motivation for the book Devil at my door as well in our discussion. Polly is director of it's not your fault which is on the web by the way at it's not your fault that's all this one word dot us. And there's a lot of different things we're going to share in the course of our discussion. We'll also um, talk from the standpoint of what people who are listening to our discussion today can do to be um, supportive of your efforts. Uh, And there's a lot of information on the It's Not Your Fault uh, website, as well as Devil at My Door has a website which we'll give you in the course of uh, this discussion, too. Different areas where I want to go, and I want to talk, too, about this whole issue, Polly, of um, law enforcement. Um, And then I guess we also get into talking a little bit about the whole approach policy-wise with the sexual predators. A lot to discuss in the course of our chat. We'll continue in our discussion with Polly Franks on our program on The Fan this Sunday morning. It is Sunday morning on The Fan. Good morning, everybody. This is Bob Salter. You know, i got to stop socializing during this program and get back to the actual actual show. I get involved in so many different things around here on uh, Sundays. We are in a discussion with Polly Franks on our program. She's the director of It's Not Your Fault, the author of Devil at My Door, an interesting uh, publication. In um, talking with policymakers about this issue of sexual predators and um, children. Did they take this topic seriously?
0: Some are absolute champions, and frankly, some are idiots. (laughs) Don't Um, (laughs) don't hold back now. I know. (laughs) Absolutely. It's it's amazing. I tried to get some help from one of our our state senators here in Virginia, who basically— Informed me that we didn't have a problem with sexual predators in Virginia, which just floored me at, at his ignorance. Um, I'm very thankful that we have some, and this is bipartisan. We have we've had some some great progress made um, on Capitol Hill with the Amber Alert bill, with the Adam Walsh Child Protection Act. Um, it's taken both sides of the aisle. But, yes, it's – like a, I guess politicians in many ways are like the rest of us in that so many people, if they don't want to acknowledge something exists, um, it's easier for them to live with themselves.
1: But, you know, you also think about the fact that you, you don't basically, um, for lack of a better term, with a monster um, in terms of this individual – because of the different um, crimes in terms of sexual attacks that he was connected to, when you talk about the reality of something like this to this legislator, doesn't the person open up as opposed to saying, oh, you know, in Virginia we don't have a problem? i sorry, do they open up how? And do, does he open up? Does he become more receptive to what you're talking about? I mean, you know, you've had firsthand experience with somebody that, you know, basically you and I are both saying was a monster.
0: Right, well, that the particular politician I was speaking to absolutely did not. Hmm. Um, kept looking at his watch and um, um, <laughs> oh. was, was as rude as he could be.
1: Lovely. That's, isn't that just Lovely.
0: Mm. I know, and he had just recently been reelected on a "let's get tough on crime" uh, <laughs> platform, which which absolutely floored me when I met him one on one. That he could be one so rude and two so ignorant. Fortunately, he's he's no longer in office.
1: Mm. Well, I guess there are some blessings that do occur. Right. Yes, when we talk about this individual who, um, unfortunately came into your life and had this horrific background. What ultimately happened to him?
0: Well, I was, like I said, I was so frustrated and so enraged that our law enforcement wasn't doing anything, and then our neighbors were seeing him in the middle of the night in our yard. Um, I was so mad that when I, I became a licensed private investigator to go after him myself, um it took 3 years. It took it didn't happen overnight. It took a lot of work and a lot of just hanging in there. Um just because if for no other reason I needed an outlet for my frustration and my rage. I had to do something. Um it it took a very long time, but he is now thankfully in life do, doing life in prison in a Supermax prison here in Virginia.
1: So is there any possibility that he gets considered for parole?
0: At first, for the first 18 years, I was told absolutely not. Unfortunately, my state has passed a, what they call, geriatric consideration, which makes him eligible for parole now every three years, despite being given this, life sentence without parole um, because he's 62 years old. It's 60 and over, which is, as I'm sure most of the listeners here will agree, 60 is not geriatric in this day and age. um, And some people are not safe at any age.
1: That's the thing, is that you you have to stop and look at the individual case. Um, Looking at... His case, and you know the work that you have done uh, in this regard this was a very um, bold step on your part becoming a licensed private investigator, and as you said, you needed a, an outlet um, was that the only thing you ever considered in terms of a way of responding to <laughs>
0: Well oh, of course, I considered responding in other ways, but that would have put me in jail. <laughs> you read <laughs> my mind, okay? Many, many, many other scenarios went through my head, but uh, I had children to raise, and um, they needed me here. And I knew I was not uh, sly enough and fast enough to get away with premeditated murder. Mm-hmm. So I, even though I was, my faith in the uh, justice system was shaken to the core I felt like I had to take that route instead
1: and becoming a licensed private investigator you know you said it took several years um, once you had that uh, title how could you put that to use how did you put that to use
0: well I learned when I was in, in PI class ways of doing surveillance you know, there's a difference between doing surveillance and actual stalking somebody. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I, I learned how to gather information, uh, learned a lot of things that turned out to be just plain common sense, but that I just didn't know at the time that you could do. Um, but ways of watching and, and developing patterns, My, I, was, I remember being so frustrated because I felt like I was just wasting my time and not doing anything. And my... PI instructor, who also was a police, police officer, told me he said addicts are their own worst enemy. His behavior is an addiction, and he will um, reveal himself in time. Um, he, he, he's not going to be able to get away with this because he's got a compulsion in a way that he cannot control or chooses not to control.
1: And as more of his um, past came to light, did the responsiveness, um, receptiveness, if I can phrase it that way, of law enforcement that you were working with change?
0: Well, it was very interesting to me. A um, After he had finally been arrested yet again in rich in a neighboring um, community in Richmond, and was uh, basically caught with his hands in the proverbial cookie jar, and it made the news finally the in, uh, the richmond news Richmond Virginia news, um, a reporter, an eagle-eyed reporter from the Washington Post dug up the fact that this had also, that Richmond's bandana bandit, as the police had called him, turned out, lo and behold, to be the ski mask rapist of San Antonio from the early 1980s. And so that's when, as the old saying goes, hell broke loose. The national media came calling and uh, wanted to know, with our law enforcement, how, how come you guys didn't know this? And of course, they had known about San Antonio, but they went into CYA mode, as, as mm. I'm sure you can understand, yep. and and developed a, an acute case of amnesia, and uh, were telling the media they had never spoken to me about this. They knew nothing about his past, and uh, basically went into protecting themselves.
1: Well, that must have made you feel lovely.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's 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 it's, it's, it's pretty enraging when you see the law and see the, it wasn't the police officers, but the, the DA and the DA's office lie um, and, and call you a liar on, on local television, basically saying that no such conversation ever took place, um, basically just to protect your own careers. It, w- it was very eye-opening.
1: Simply amazing when you stop and think about it. Um, what kept you going?
0: My kids, basically, I, I knew even though I was mired in this and it seemed like there was no way out, I knew that I was on the right side. And that I, I for some reason, that defied any kind of explanation to me, this had happened to us, and so therefore I had to do something about it. Um, so many people, I found out later, who had also been victimized by that man were so devastated. I knew of one particular mother who ended up dying, um, and I believe the stress of this did this to her. She was a young woman. So the the wreck and the harm that was going on, so many times I felt like I was fighting a losing battle, but I just felt like I had to fight. There was really no other no other option.
1: and doing the book devil at my door what did that do for you
0: it was very cathartic it it took a very long time to write the book mm-hmm. frankly because the story kept changing as i was writing it um but it was it was an outlet and i wrote devil at my door not just to tell a very bizarre story um bizarre and yet very common story uh, but, I also wanted to give the reader information to protect themselves to protect them, their own family and to share things in the book that I had learned in p i class um just so somebody can know these things um how to do surveillance how to do how to get information um different things that I had learned that I had found interesting when I was in class, so I wanted to um not really. Of course, the story itself is not entertaining, but I wanted to share the story and inform people and empower the reader so that they come away with so much information about how they can be their own PI in many cases, how they can also keep from becoming uh, victims as we were, and how they can protect their own
1: families. Okay, I want to talk about that idea of how it is to keep from becoming victims, Um, obviously, too, at this time of the year. um, It's back-to-school time. We'll talk a little bit about some uh, safety tips for uh, back-to-school as well as we continue in our discussion. We're talking with Polly Franks on our program and talking with her about Devil at My Door, which is uh, her book. What's the website for Devil at My Door, by the way?
0: Devilatmydoor.com
1: devil at my door.com. She's also the director of it's not your fault on the web at it's not your fault. All is one word dot us. And she's talking with this um, very important discussion and hopefully one where you are learning some things as well in uh, our program. You're on the fan. <laughs> it is Sunday morning on the fan and good morning, everybody. This is Bob's. This is Bob Salter. We are in a discussion with Polly Franks on our program. Polly is the author of Devil at My Door, and she is the director of It's Not Your Fault, and she's talking with us on our program. Um, In the past, we've had a couple of interesting um, situations, too, where we've worked in some thoughts from some of the folks listening to us. You want to join us on the toll-free, you can, 877-337-6666, if you're on point with what we're talking about here today, 877-337-6666. One of the thoughts I had, Polly... um, In our discussion, goes back to this idea of, um, we were talking about before uh, Chris's update and um, the commercial messages, trying to protect oneself and trying to prevent being a victim in um, one of these cases. What kind of advice can you give in that regard?
0: The first thing I always give people, Bob, is to look up your sex offender registry. It's there for a reason, and it's it's a hard-fought-for resource that uh, was not available in my own case. I recommend Family Watchdog. It's familywatchdog.us because it's nationwide. Um, find out who's in your neighborhood. Find out who's near your child's school. Find out who's in grandma's neighborhood or babysitter's neighborhood. Any place where your child is going to be spending a considerable amount of time, um, who's in the neighborhood of your your temple or your church, uh, wherever your child is going to be spending time, find out who's in that neighborhood. With family watchdog you can also get emails updated if a predator has moved into that address that you, you list with them. Um, it has been a tremendous service for me um, because even since our nightmare, we've had, we've had more predators move in. Um, but it's, it's an excellent tool to start with to just know to empower yourself. Find out who's out there. And I don't care if you live in a multimillion-dollar home or if you are in the projects. You have an equal chance of having a predator in your community.
1: And in some cases, multiple predators in your community, too, because one of the yes. things when you look at a site like FamilyWatchdog.us, you are absolutely shocked at how many people who fall in this category of being sexual predators right. are literally, you know, some people would say a stone's throw away.
0: Pretty much. Um- and this also gives not only their home address, home locations, but their work locations. Um, so if they work near your house or certainly anywhere near the, the school bus stop, anywhere near the school, don't assume <clears throat> that just because the predator is not supposed to live near a school that he doesn't. There are too many predators and not enough law enforcement to keep that law going. It, it's up to us to find out.
1: You know, in some cases, a police department may have, may have one person who falls in that category of being assigned to um, keep a watch on those who fall in this category of being sexual predators because of convictions in their past or guilty pleas in their past uh, to charges in that regard. And that one member of law enforcement could be watching a ton of people. And obviously they're not going to be able to track or keep track of everybody and all of their movements and where they may be at all times. It's almost an impossible task, isn't it?
0: Right. There's not there's not enough law enforcement to go around to do that. Um Laws may be in place, but you cannot count on them consistently being informed. Uh, To give you an example, several years ago, right before Halloween, I discovered to my horror that we had another predator just around the corner from my house. And so I called the police, police officer in charge of sex crimes for our county and told him about this, and of course he knew about this individual, In this particular case, his probation had uh, been completed, and so on Halloween he was absolutely entitled to have his lights on and let as many kids in his house as he wanted, which absolutely horrified me. There's a urban myth that all sexual predators have to lock their doors and turn their lights out on Halloween night. And again, there's not enough law enforcement to enforce that law. So, you need to find out who your child is going to be exposed to in those situations i was I was very, very concerned, so I figured well, I can either put out a notice or I could sit in front of his house all night on Halloween in the cold. So what I did was i I printed the information from the webs from the website, um, which is public information. Just for, for the neighborhood people in the immediate area to know to keep their children from from going to this man's house and coming into his into his sights and into his circle of, of knowing where the child lived, it was uh, it was the least I could do. But I felt I felt very limited and very frustrated that he indeed was going to be able to participate in Halloween.
1: What was the response of? your neighbors
0: they were very appreciative they were shocked Uh, we have a nice neighborhood but so do a lot of people people Um, they were pretty shocked Um, there were no confrontations there was no harassment of any kind which is I always tell people leave leave the predators alone don't don't become part of the problem don't harass this person um, in any way but uh, just know that your children are not going to be safe with this individual. In this case, this particular predator had been convicted of trafficking child pornography. Mm. And so that left little doubt to me um, as to what he was. So I felt like I had to do something and that doing nothing was not an option. Uh, So many people had given our predator... So many second chances, and the body count of victims had just piled up into the hundreds because of that. So I was not going to let this happen.
1: Mm. And that night, did anybody send their or allow their children to actually go to his home?
0: I hope not. Like I said, I didn't sit in front of his house all night. Mm -hmm. Um, I had my own kids to deal with. But um, I'm hoping that some people were um, made aware and were wise enough to keep their children from him.
1: This idea of the experience that you went through, um, the experience that your daughters went through, um, what do they say about this today and how, I guess, how, what was the strength that helped them in surviving?
0: Well, two things I made sure that they understood. The first and most important was that this was absolutely not their fault. This was 100% his fault. They were children, and there's no reasonable explanation for his behavior. Secondly, I wanted them to make sure that they understood that most men are not like this, I pointed out, you know, their father, their grandfathers, their uncles would die to protect them from something like that. So I didn't want them to grow up to be angry or fearful of men. Um, And they've they've taken that lesson to heart.
1: So when we look at this issue, awareness is obviously key. You know, I mentioned earlier this idea that it's back to school time. Um, What kind of tips, what kind of advice can you give some of the parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles who are listening to this discussion today?
0: Okay, well, one thing I said, I know I'm going to be very unpopular and be a real buzzkill when I say this, but it just is not safe for a child to walk to or from school by themselves. That's a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, I also tell them, make sh- if your child is old enough to be in kindergarten, he or she is old enough to memorize uh, their school bus number um, and also their home address and their home phone number. I would say also school bus stops where the children gather in the morning are magnets for pedophiles, and so they need to be, there needs to be an adult there a trusted adult there, in the mornings until everybody's gotten on the bus. The same in the afternoon. There's just These are things that parents can do, um, or, or grandparents, if they're retired, they can do. Um, make sure your child also understands that grown-ups don't need help from them. Um, grown-ups are not supposed to ask children for directions to find a house or to find a missing pet, anything like that. You know, an adult does not need help from a little kid. They need to know this. Um, Just things like this. And one thing I also tell people as well is to have a code word between you and your child. And so make sure the child knows that he or she is not to go with anybody who doesn't know the code word. They're not to get in the car or go into their home unless they know it. Because that creates a, a very profound layer of safety. There was a case, for instance, in Yonkers several years ago where a mother had sat down with her eight-year-old son. They decided on a code word um, that he was not to go with anybody who didn't know it. And lo and behold, two days later, a neighbor came over to invite him over for uh, a pizza party with video games. And he did not know the code word. The kid runs inside and tells his mom, and it turns out this was a predator out on parole who was trying to lure the boy into his home. But the 8-year-old was was enabled and given, given the tools to protect himself. So I think, I think one of the things, too, that I've learned, and as a mother of three, I know we can tell our children some things. It depends on their age. But children, even very young children, know just from watching, say, a Disney movie or from watching cartoons on Saturday morning that there are bad people, there are bad guys, and there are good guys. Um, they know that from the earliest of ages watching these movies and these, these cartoons. So we can, they can understand uh, that, yes, and that they, they know that they ha- can protect themselves and that other people are going to protect them as well.
1: That idea that um, you're communicating that to young kids, I guess that's a way for them to, to kind of grasp the concept of what you're talking about without um, overwhelming them, you know, because the topic's a heady one. As we said at the beginning of this discussion, this is a topic that most adults don't want to tackle. Uh, So, you know, you wouldn't expect kids are going to want to jump and tackle this, or even when they're really young, understand the full implications of what we're talking about. Right.
0: One of the basic things I tell people is make sure your child knows that he or she can tell you anything and that they're going to be safe and that they're going to be believed. You would not believe the emails and letters i get from individuals who are well into middle age who are carrying scars not just from having been um victims of a sexual predator but from having gone home and told mom or dad and not being believed and that that is it just as bad if not worse than the incident itself
1: that's an amazing fact and you know you think also, that's got to have lasting scars, uh, too.
0: Right. Well, you know, it's, it's the old, as Al Gore used to say about the environment, this is a very inconvenient truth. <laughs> People would much rather think that this isn't happening or that the child is making it up. Um, children of a certain age are not supposed to know anything about sexual matters, so mm-hmm. if they know something, there's a red flag.
1: Polly Franks is talking with us on our program. She's the author of Devil at My Door on the web at Devil at My Door. That's all this one word, .com. She's the director of It's Not Your Fault, um, the organization's on the web at It's Not Your Fault. That's all this dot us. And I've mentioned too that um, you know sometimes we get some people who are on point with what we're talking about and want to make a comment. Uh, You can join us, 877-337-6666. But again, it's a topic that, uh, for the most part, a lot of people want to steer as far away from as they possibly can. And that gets to the issue that, in a way, we started this discussion with, but I want to talk about. And it's this idea that it's 2017. Have we gotten any better Polly than we were back in 1997?
0: I believe so, um, as far as information goes. Mm-hmm. And it, again, I compare it to the the origins of the AIDS issue and people did not want to acknowledge it or they wanted again to blame the victims. We've gotten better. I mean, obviously as long as there's human kind around, there will be sexual predators. Um, Thankfully, and this is one of my quests in life, frankly, is, is just to inform people and make sure they realize from my own situation that these people are, are around. They can be anywhere. And there's too many of them for law enforcement to protect us from them all the time. Um, I think we're better. But we've, we're not anywhere near where we need to be.
1: And being... Aware, being alert. I mean, we hear this all the time with um, the topic of terrorism and how we should be on the alert if we see something, say something, etc. And especially with the um, anniversary or commemoration of 9 11, literally tomorrow, there'll be a lot more uh, talk in this regard, uh, too over the next day or so. But even with this issue of sexual predators in our society, by being aware, by even being willing to talk about this topic, is that a way of actually addressing the issue in a fashion where, you know, this is not something where somebody can just... Lure your child and have their way with the child in a secretive fashion.
0: Right, absolutely. You can, you can empower your children, and of course, it all depends on the age of the child, but you can empower your children um, to keep themselves safe to a point. Again, I go back to the, the having a code word between parent and child, you know, not going into anyone's house or anyone's car without them knowing the code word. Um, things you can teach your child, just, just plain old common sense. And one thing I've run into, again, as you've mentioned, so much denial. To me, and if what I have seen, denial on part of America's parents is one of the greatest dangers to America's children. Um, keeping your head in the sand and saying that it doesn't exist is not you 're not doing your children any favors by doing that um, one thing I also do I, I recommend is for for children once once school is begun if um, if it 's at all humanly possible, children over the age of ten uh, should be allowed to have a cell phone to be used in emergencies only um, you know I like can make sure that they have direct dial to nine one one to their parents' work numbers to their home number. Um, to a trusted adult, you know, such as grandma or someone that they know they they can trust. Um, have that with them. So all they've got to do is, is push a button. Uh, that's another layer of protection. And, and, again, it's a way of empowering your child, not in a fearful way, but saying, here, you know, you've got this power. You can do this. Uh, because they've seen these things that they've seen. Uh, Years ago, there were the Power Rangers. There were these, you know, they know about these um, heroes and the bad guys alone just from watching the the cartoons in the morning. Mm -hmm.
1: What about, considering the fact that we're talking on WFAN this morning, these extracurricular activities involving athletics and sports? Because a lot of kids are involved in activities um, in school after school, does that put them at risk
0: Not necessarily. Um, I do believe you know the overwhelming majority of coaches and pastors and individuals who are involved with children have only their best interest but to me, it is imperative for for Boy Scouts, for coaches, for it, any troop leaders, anyone should have a, be subjected to a criminal background check before they're allowed anywhere near a child. Um, it's just amazing how many people don't do it until after the fact, and then, of course, that's that's letting the horses out of the barn. <laughs> too late. Um, it's very simple. You can do, it. and and it's to me, we owe it to our kids. It's not. Uh, if nothing else, make sure that this person is not on the sex offender registry because these areas are magnets for pedophiles um, and so the adults you know need to be able to tell um boy scout troop leaders you know you're gonna to have to go through this before we let you near our boys or the girls um or a youth leader in a church, you know these things need to be. Done. They're, they're another layer of protection, and it just it amazes me how many organizations don't even think to do that. Um, I would think the Sandusky case alone mm-hmm. and the pedophile priest issue alone would be reason for people to, to realize we need to check these people out before we leave them alone with our kids for hours at a time.
1: You would think that'd be part of the legacy, if I can phrase it that way, of, you know, you, you mentioned it because I've been sitting here... Um, biting my tongue. Um, with the name Jerry Sandusky running through my head, uh, and as you mentioned, unfortunately, been number of cases of pedophile priests uh, and others, as well. You would think part of the legacy of those cases and events would be that, yeah, there should be greater awareness, and there should be pretty much a uniform practice of background checks, you know, people being thorough and examining exactly who it is who may come in contact with children.
0: Absolutely. Before before you're ch- letting your child join a scout troop or some athletic organization or in any kind of sport or anything that involves an adult who has access to your children for hours at a time, sometimes overnight, make sure that that organization is doing background checks on them. It doesn't matter how long you may have known this this very kind person, make sure you do a background check. Don't ever assume. We all know what happens when you assume. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a case in Georgia of a prof- uh, college professor at the University of Georgia a few years ago who was doing work with special education on the side tutoring children. Well, it turns out he was a convicted predator. He'd already done time three years in prison in Alabama. And nobody at the university had ever done a background check on him. He was a tenured professor before anybody ever found out.
1: Incredible. Absolutely incredible.
0: And you know, in this day and age, there's no reason why you can't do a background check. You know, in this days with, with Google searches and been Verified or any, any of these others, there's no reason why you can't do this. It doesn't take that long of a time, and it, it's just a layer of protection. It doesn't cost a great deal. It doesn't cost a great deal of time. I just don't understand why people don't do it. It makes no sense to me.
1: Holly Franks talking with us on our program on The Fan this Sunday morning. It's the Football Sunday program as it evolves with Mark Malusis in the captain's role of that program after our 9 o'clock update this morning, and Boomer Esiason and the gang along with the NFL preview at 7.30. I'm Bob Salter. We're in a discussion that we started at the beginning of our program at 6 this morning, and yes, we go from 6 until 7.30. In uh, this time of the year, in uh, football season, we're in a discussion with Polly Franks on our program. She's the author of Devil at My Door, Devil at My Door, that's all is one word, com, the uh, companion website for the book. She is also the director of It's Not Your Fault, It's Not Your Fault, allisoneword.us, the companion website. People listening to our discussion today who are touched by what you've shared with us in this discussion, um, concerned about this issue. What can they do to be supportive of the efforts of it's not your fault?
0: Well, we're a 501c3 nonprofit, and uh, we certainly need help as much, you know, tax deductible donations as we possibly can. We have an Operation Fuzzy program. Um, as I call it, that we give um, stuffed animals and comfort—well, what we call comfort kits—to children in hospital emergency rooms. And we have uh, we've done this. We've worked this also with Presbyterian Hospital in uh, your neck of the woods, and basically several several hospitals throughout the country. Um, this is just to help comfort the child when they're in the emergency room, and the stuffed animal. And the comfort kits, which are art supplies, give them a chance to tell their story in a non-threatening way and to be able to tell what happened. Um, so that's, that's our mission, is basically to try to, to get the child right away and make sure that they know it's not their fault. You're being believed. The grown-ups are gonna, who love you are going to take care of this situation and are going to protect you.
1: How are those comfort kits received?
0: they are they are very welcome received the uh, this was created by me and by an individual who was a forensic nurse examiner here in Richmond Virginia and it was designed for the child but also as a means for the medical personnel and law enforcement to be able to get information from a child in a non-threatening non-confrontational way so they can find out exactly what has happened, and the stuffed animals are used often to show the child how and where they'll be examined um and they're they're brand new and they're for the child to keep so you know many many times, especially throughout the holidays, these are the only things some children get, mm-hmm. um which is sad, but we're so happy that we can do this it um It's been very, very successful in these emergency rooms. Both for law enforcement and for the medical personnel, but most importantly, it's been very, very effective for the children.
1: So, for people who are interested in donating, they do that through the website.
0: Yes, absolutely. There's a, there's a link on the uh, it's not your fault .us uh, for donations.
1: Earlier in our discussion, you talked a little bit about family watchdog. Um, would you just talk about that from the standpoint of? people who've just joined us in our discussion what's that all about
0: sure it's a, it's a nationwide sex offender registry and it's free it takes maybe 5 minutes of your time and i recommend it because i i talk of course to audiences across the country but you're in new york you want to find out who's in your neighborhood your child's neighbor your your child's uh, best friend's neighborhood all of that But say you've got family in Florida or you've got family in Arizona, uh, wherever, you can find out who's in that neighborhood as well. I had a a coworker who checked this when, when it first came out, and she found a neighbor of her mother in Los Angeles, a man right across the street from her mother, who was a convicted rapist. So she immediately called her mom and said, you know, be careful, don't let this man in your house.
1: Amazing, isn't it, when you it stop is. and think it, about it? And also watch, it's also amazing what you can find because of the technology in this day and age, too.
0: Absolutely. That's why I had so many reasons why I wrote Devil at My Door was to give that kind of information. Again, not just to tell my, my own story, my own very bizarre story, um, unusual story, but also to give information and to empower people and to kind of learn how to be your own PI. And there's a part in the back, an index of how to keep your child safe, uh, suggestions for back to school, um, all those scenarios. I wanted to give the the reader lots of information that they can take away and use and continue to have for their children, grandchildren, um, neighborhood children, um, just something that people can use.
1: Interesting discussion with Polly Franks on our program on The Fan this morning. Sounds like somebody is trying to get your attention uh, there, too, Polly. Oh, yes,
0: I do apologize. (laughs) That's (laughs) Charlie.
1: Well, give Charlie a pet for us. Thank you very much for joining us on our program. Certainly good luck continued with the book and with your efforts with It's Not Your Fault. Thank you, Bob. It's the Sports Edge that follows our 8 o'clock update. The Football Sunday program with Mark Belusis at the helm will be long after our 9 o'clock update. Polly Frank's book is entitled Devil at My Door. Devil at My Door, all as one word, .com, The uh, website and the website for It's Not Your Fault is It's Not Your Fault. That's all as one word, .us. Good program, interesting one. Hopefully you learned some things as well. We're with you 6 to 7.30 a.m. this time of the year. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.